A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey everybody, welcome to part two of our long episode that happened on May 16th. 2019. First one was with Bart Bowen from the Cascade Cycling Classic. This second half with Anna Mariah Rook, who is covering the Hampton Tour of California. As we were able to speak with her, she is flying all over California, covering one of the biggest women's races in the world at this very moment. And we got to catch up with her and get some thoughts and opinions from her on the sport, where women's cycling is going, and what desperately needs to happen in the sport of women's cycling. So without further ado, part two of the Pack Filler Podcast. everybody on the uh, on the line today we've got another call for this specific episode and the great thing is we get to get a really good perspective we were talking about the uh, tour of california we've got somebody who's in the thick of it right now on the f- on the line we have a cyclist coach and journalist currently covering tour of california uh for the event for the women for Velo news if i'm not mistaking mistaken uh let's welcome anna mariah rook to the show anna how are you Good. Hi. I'm actually here with uh, the UCI oh. doing the Twitter and the, the highlights. Oh, good gracious. You you got a full plate then. I do, but uh, I'm enjoying every minute of it. Well, it, first stage underway. We were talking to you on a Thursday, and uh, the first stage completely in the in the can, in the, uh, I guess we could possibly say. And uh, what are your first impressions of everything going on? For the event there, for everything that's that's happening, and the the size and quality of this field this year is is unbelievable. Yeah, I think uh, it's pretty safe to say that this is the most competitive field they've had in years. Um, it's also the longest, probably the hardest course they've had. It's uh, 177 miles in total, and it's got some 20,800 feet of climbing. So it's it's definitely a tough race, and uh, they get to share a lot of the stages with the men. So uh, it's good. It's getting better. Getting better. Yeah, absolutely. I was. We were talking before we came on the air. I was talking with Karsten and Paul here about the fact that it's gone from just this, this one-stage event, and now we're building to three. Yes, the men's race is five, um, and they're, they're fitting so much into those three stages. Um, it, it, look, it looks absolutely brutal. Is, the, is there... I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I keep wondering, and, and this I keep immediately wanting to go to the five versus three and, and us versus them and those types of things. What are your thoughts on the expansion to three stages? Should it be a five? Should we keep going? Well, I mean, the men's is actually seven stages, um, so there's uh, quite some disparity there. The Tour of California two years ago was actually four stages, and we've come down to three. So it was a one-day event. 
then it was in a you know it was a criterium then it was an invitational only time trial then it was four stages now we're back to three they're still, they're still trying to figure it out um i think this year as, as i mentioned it's the longest and the hardest one we've had so far um would i want to see more stages sure i think a five stage event would be awesome mm. At the same time, um, seeing the riders come into the hotel right now and how knackered they look, I think they're pretty happy that it's just th- three really hard stages. Is there some thoughts on the quality of the field itself and, and everybody that was – I mean, this is not just the biggest race in America. It's one of the bigger races, if I'm not mistaken, on, on the tour. Yeah, correct. It's a, a World Tour event, so that makes it, you know, top level. Um I think in years past, there's always been a big question mark on which Europeans are going to actually make uh, the jump over over the water because it's it's very just like significant. Uh, it's a significant cost. It's, it's a logistical challenge, and I think luckily because there's more and more sponsor sponsor involvement in the teams, more teams are coming out. So this year, especially, we've got we have the world champion, we've got Olympic medalists, we've got some of the best riders in the world competing right here, and I really wish we could offer them more than just three days of of racing because yeah like i said the journey is a long one it's very costly uh they're dealing with the jet lag they're dealing with elevation and i think uh, a lot of them are already combining some sort of elevation training camp while they're here uh so it'd be great if we could have either a longer event or even a second one uh that they could race back to back so we're looking at positive things happening within the sport yet before we came on the air you mentioned the quote the news, unquote, of the day. And, and, and Paul in here was the one who actually mentioned it to us when he came into the studio saying, you guys, did you hear about what's going on? And um, could one of you give all of us a recap of, of everything that's going on and what the deal is? Paul's got his mic up. Well, I, I'll let Anna take over, but I, I read it in um, Cycling Tips that ASO is, is, did not want to cover uh, the, what, what is expected of them 45 minutes of women's racing, so therefore they decided not to be part of the world tour, and that that's huge. That's two major world tours back to back in that in the month of uh, April that are gone for the women, and that's just you know. I saw somebody's comment, Anna, that said, "Well, chauvinism is a French word." So anyway, I'll <laughs> let you take it away from there. It, it's very upsetting. Very upsetting. Yeah. So to clarify, it's um, for 2020 and going onward, the UCI requires all World Tour events to have 45 minutes of live race coverage. Uh, 45 minutes doesn't seem like a lot. Um, it is obviously a costly endeavor to add um, live streaming to your event, and that's what ASO is pointing to. They're saying our provider can't meet that, that need, and it's too costly and, and too much of a logistical challenge. With that said... Uh, a lot of the smaller races, smaller budget races can do it. Even right here in the U.S., the Colorado Classic this year, is providing two hours of live race coverage every day of the, the tour. That's four, four days straight of live race coverage, and they're not a world tour event, and they're somehow able to do that. Um, so it's tutoring and an energy luck and all the other smaller races already on the calendar. Um, and so I think for... ASO to not be able to meet that need is ludicrous. They're, they have the ability to do so. They're making perhaps a, a business decision. I don't know. Maybe it's a political one. I'm not sure. But um, it's very, very disappointing. Yeah, it, it sounds like especially something, an organization of that size can, af- 
can't afford it, yet these smaller organizations are having no problem putting the bill. Um, it's, what is the underlying reason for that business decision, in your opinion? Uh, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I haven't seen their statement on it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't understand why they wouldn't. Uh, it's been hard to push them even to, you know, have women's races in the first place. I think they don't believe uh, there's a business case there for women's cycling. Uh, I would say all the trends point otherwise. Women's sports is very popular. It's highly entertaining. Viewership has been increasing steadily this like last couple of years in cycling, especially if you look at cyclocross and the numbers there, w- people want to see women cycling. They want to see women's sports in general. And uh, some people are just harder to sell on that idea that, you know, from a consumer standpoint, more, it's not just men. Yeah. I'm just, Go I'm just going to add from a consumer standpoint, it's proven that, you know, women buy a huge percentage of bicycles at retail, at least in this country. I don't know about Europe, but um, it, it befuddles me that, ASO can't make decisions based on that alone. You know that you and me both. Yeah. You and me both. So I I'm, I guess I'm just trying to understand the entire core root of the problem. I've talked to several several uh, female athletes on this on this show, and I've I've tried to to grasp this. You know, we've had promises made in regards to women's racing. Um, but, you know, the UCI with Brian Cookson, we've had things like that saying that there's going to be a change in terms of the, the monetary gap. Um, who, in your opinion, is, is doing things right? Um, and where is it going in a positive direction? I don't want to dwell as all this time on the, you know, this is screwed, this is... Negative. Yeah, exactly. Who's, who, in your opinion, is doing it right? What events, what races, what, uh, what organizations... You know, I actually think we're making lots of progress. There's a lot of exciting uh, race organizers out there that are doing the right thing. Um, The uh, Women's Tour in the UK every year is a phenomenal event. It draws huge crowds in person as well as online. I think that is a prime example of of just doing things right, treating all the riders uh, the way they should be treated. And the fact that it's a a women's race has no impact on on how popular it is or, or the number of fans that come out. Uh, likewise, like I said, the Colorado Classic here in the U.S., it's a 2.1 UCI race. It's going to have live coverage. They decided um, last year that instead of having a men's and a women's race, to go forward with just the women's race and step it up with prize money, with live coverage, with stipends and travel costs, um, you know, support. It's it's going the right direction in general. Um, it's just a really big disappointment to see some of, of the biggest classics not follow suit. Yeah, Anna, I have a question for you. So, you know, you bring up that example of the Colorado Classic. Um, I think it's uh, – I have a beef with the ASO. They they seem to be bigger than the – well, they think they are bigger than the UCI, and they seem to shove their weight around and, and make their own rules. That's my personal opinion. But uh, I like what they, they're doing in Colorado, and I heard a little hubbub about possibly – a women's um, Perry Roubaix, and and actually mm-hmm. actually being funded by like a bicycle company. A name thrown out was mm-hmm. possibly Giant. I don't know or Live. Um, if you do, you have any uh, anything you can shed some light on that? Have you heard anything about that? And do you think this is where we're going to have to take this and then you know bump the big guy out of the way? 
You know, I'm actually torn. I mean, I, I would, first of all, I would love to see a women's Paris-Roubaix. But if the organizers keep pushing back against and, and, and treating women so poorly, why do we keep wanting to support them with a, a women's race, right? So I'm, and part of me wants to just have another great event for women as a standalone event, you know, good riddance, ASO and your events. We're going to do our own thing. Uh, the other part of me, like I said, would just really, really, really like to see women's study Roubaix. I know there are several bike companies that are currently lobbying and doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work uh, in, an, in an effort to make that happen. Uh, there's a lot of riders I know that want to see it happen, publications want to see it happen, and, and manufacturers, bike manufacturers want to see it happen. So the commercial demand is there. Uh, consumers want it, riders want it. I, I just, at this point, it just absolutely baffles me as to why we don't have one. Do you think this pairing of events, you're at, you're at an event right now where we've got the men and women racing similar courses, similar times, uh, things like that. Um, I, and then we're talking about some situations where you've got this standalone women's only event. Is, is this pairing of events hurting cycling for women? Or is it something where it's a, a, you know, united we stand kind of a feel where we have the men's and the women's races happening at the same time? That's a very good question. Uh, and that one that I'm still torn on myself. I, uh, I can see both arguments. And uh, I think in the end, um, treat women as a sport of their own. However, doesn't mean we can't have make use of, of the same permits. And, and strictly speaking from a resource point of view, have it on the same day. And combine it with uh, both men's and women's races. Uh, I think for a lot of teams, that's been proving to be very effective for them as well to have um, a men's and a women's team share resources, uh, share expert- expertise behind the scene. Um, so I think it doesn't. It definitely doesn't hurt women's racing. Um, I, I do want to make sure that I mention that a women's race can happen as a standalone event. It doesn't have to be tied to a men's race. Uh, so, as I said, if the Parito Bay is never going to happen for women, then let's come up with something unique to women's cycling. Yeah, there are plenty of cobbles to go around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that specific path. I'm going to add that there used to be, at least in the U.S., there used to be quite a few unique women-specific races, stage races. Uh, Orida. Orida. Um, back when I was a kid and Pat was a kid and probably Paul was a kid, the Self Magazine Trials. Which watching that got me into bike racing. Um, <clears throat> what else am I missing? Uh, I mean, the the women's presences at, at stage races like Washington Trust, et cetera, were huge. Why did that go away in this country? In this country alone, I mean. Good question. <laughs> so we don't. I don't know. I we don't know. know. Yeah, it's 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 a matter of I it it almost. I always ask about this concept of coverage, of of media coverage, and um, I will admit to you 100% that I went online today thinking, okay, I'm going to be speaking with this this person who's a journalist who understands her shit and and knows what she's talking about. I'm going to get up to speed on on the Tour of California, and it took me an effort to find that information to find any any live streams, to find the coverage of the event. I, I subscribe to everything. I'm spending more money on ways to watch bike racing on my computer, on my TV, on any other source I can find. Yet, when I say I want to watch the women's 
Tour of California, stage one, I have to struggle to find it. And I'm... I'm there is no coverage. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just... Here we're talking about this issue of how can the sport flourish and grow. Is that media coverage the most important element of it? Especially speaking to somebody who's, who's covering the event. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm sure, you know, like I, I tried to do that for four years and, and have a, a women-specific publication and, and bring women's stories forward. And uh, in the end, the resources weren't there. There, there wasn't enough support from uh, the industry. And so... Was the audience that, that there? Was a tough one. The audience was there? The audience was growing, but slowly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like any other startup, in a way, it it just it needed time. It needed time to grow, and when money of the is of the essence, we didn't have time, and so we ran out of time in that regard. And uh, when it comes to media coverage, um, print is dying in general. So we not only were we dealing with, you know, trying to create a new audience, um, we were also dealing with the changing of media so everything's digital now no one wants to pay for media and that's really tough and so i think coverage uh is crucial when it comes to tv coverage especially uh people are still tuning in to the video more so than they're reading and if their resources are limited i would and i hate to say this as a as a writing journalist but i would say money should be invested in in um video Oh God, that bumps me out. Expensive. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's all economical, right? It comes down to money. The interest is there, sure, but people at the same time don't want to pay for it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna add that we can you, you can swear on this podcast. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna add that's it's legal here. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, and it's it's I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, oh my God, the the, the technology is there. The ability to to cover the uh, events is so much easier than it used to be, but we're talking about cycling. We're talking about a rolling parade. We're not talking about a stadium-based sport where I can take two cameras and cover the entire event just by spinning back and forth and having one on my commentator. Um, this is a, so much of a larger beast to to try and conquer, but. You know, I, I don't know. I always end up running into this frustration where I'm slapping my head, my forehead, my hand on my forehead, just because I I watched the entire cyclocross World Cup for the women this year, and I loved every single minute of it. And as Karsten said, some of the first races I watched to get me involved in cycling were in women's racing. Connie Carpenter versus Rebecca Twig versus um, mm-hmm. you know, and all these types of cyclists and they were my they were First my classes, yeah. yeah. And and I just oh man, I I, I know you probably don't have an answer for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what what it takes to convince people that people really wanna watch this. They should be watching this. And half of the argument is like hey, watch this, right? You're going to love it. And the other argument is like, people already love it. Show it. It's this weird catch-22 where um, we we need coverage to convince people that we need coverage. You know what I mean? Am I wrong in saying that World Cup Cyclocross, the women's coverage, uh, or women's uh, coverage is more popular than, or, or more closer to being equal than it is road? No, no, you're fully correct. Um, I think if any discipline has shown that there's 
tremendous uh, interest in women cycling. It's cyclocross. There is, yeah, the audience is phenomenal there. It's very passionate, and the racing has been so exciting. Um, and I think part of it is people are seeing it for, you know, the first time. And the other part is that perhaps on the men's side, you've got too much dominance happening, and the women's side is getting more and more competitive, and so you get very, very exciting, close racing on the women's side and sport is sport people are realizing that gender doesn't really matter if it's an exciting show and they'll tune in for the women's because it's exciting yeah i think uh, to reiterate that i um flow uh, bikes that online service that any diehard cyclists like me from from the 80s on have been dreaming of something like this the women's the coverage of women's are not matching the men's but it's certainly an avenue if anybody wants to watch cyclocross is easy to cover for the tv so that's probably where there's more of them but any non-aso um race seems to be covered not all of them but seems to be covered by uh flow bikes and i think that's a great avenue if anybody out there wants to watch women's cycling to look into that and i think that's a good avenue Absolutely. So, on a just before I want to I want to turn this around to something positive before we finish up here, <laughs> as we end up getting to this point where we're frustrated with everything that's going on. So, talk to me about some of the riders you're excited about. What are the how? Where's the sport growing, and what are the some of the things and some of the riders that are that are changing the dynamic, or or at least uh, coming to the you know the, what's the new generation? I guess I could ask you. Uh, are we talking road or cross? I'm talking across. Well, primarily since you're at the t- uh, Tour of California, let's ta- let's let's start with the road. Let's start with the road. Okay. Well, um, I think one of the I'm gonna kind of not answer your question, and I'll answer your question. But <laughs> one of the most exciting things is that the riders are proving that there really is no age limit. If you look at Van Vleuten and uh, Van de Breche, and they're not young riders, and they just get stronger and stronger. And that's been really exciting to watch that, you know, you're quick to ride someone off based on, on their age and they're coming back stronger than ever before. So that part is really exciting. Um, it's fun to watch Lizzie Dynan after her child come back and, and just be a contender just like she was before. Um, with that said, one of the most exciting riders that's here is Emma White uh, racing for a rally. She had a tremendous year here last year and she's back and, and got seven today. So she's a young rider to watch not just on the road, but also on cross, because she is quite the hitter in cross as well. And then we've got some young riders here, like Clara Koppenberg. And, um, yeah, this, it's uh, – we've got some – on the American side, we've got Chloe Dygert, who's just I'm, – I'm searching for words here. She's so good. <laughs> and it doesn't matter whether you put her on the track or you put her on a road race. I mean, she is such a phenomenal engine. Uh, so she's – probably the best thing the u.s has produced and she doesn't race in europe so people don't necessarily see a whole lot of her but she's setting world rackets left and right and has i don't know how many rainbow jerseys in her closet already um so that's someone who's definitely very exciting to watch and naturally she's here racing on american soil uh so that's very exciting um and cross oh man if i get this like get excited about another american rider um there's little an Oregon rider, Clara Hossinger. Do you know her, Carson? Oh yeah. 
she, yeah. she's everybody everybody loves her in if you live in Oregon she's a hero so that's someone to watch in the, the the future as well and there I mean there's so many young writers out there right now um but like I said the the women's fields when you've got writers like Katarina Nash and Mariana Vos who's been writing since she was six oh yeah and she's what she just turned 32 this month I mean that's a long career. And so what I think is exciting is that women are showing that um, you can have a long career. And watching these younger girls, uh, especially having a collegiate field now, we just had collegiate naps a couple weeks ago, and that's getting more and more um, competitive. And a lot of these writers that are here today came from that uh, program. Like uh, Corinne Rivera, for example, is a prime example of Marion Cycling, a college that does really well in developing young writers, and she's one one of the best in the world right now. And um, so seeing these younger girls come into the sport and then knowing that they can come, go away, have a kid, come back is, is very promising. Awesome. So if, if looking forward to the next two days of the Tour of California, um, what are your expectations? We, we had a, a pretty, I, I don't, I don't want to say, not it's not surprising result in terms of, uh, of who crossed the line first today, but um, how do you see things unfolding over the next two days? I'm actually really excited about tomorrow's stage. It's Mount Baldy's first time that the women are going up it. Uh, Americans will know the bottom really well. It's the former San Dimas TT, that uphill time trial. Um, so Taylor Wiles, who's here racing with uh, Trek, she knows that really well. She likes that. Very much. So she she'll be one to watch to give uh, Anna Fondebrecha a bit of a, a run for her money. But um, either way, I think tomorrow the the game really is now that Anna has uh, you know has got 18 20 second gap. How are they going to close that down? And on a you know 40k climb, that's possible. So um, I'm just excited to see how that's going to play out. What the tactics are going to be there is the you know Trek is is one of the most exciting roller teams rosters anyway uh to be created this year and so can they get their first world tour win but that's what we're all looking to see tomorrow and uh the story as it continues you know for the last couple of seasons can bulls do be beaten well we'll have to see that on the on the climb tomorrow and then the last stage i mean everyone's looking at baldy and yeah. whoever wins baldy has you know won the race but the third stage is another 78 mile stage with you know over 5,000 feet of climbing so it's not nothing yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think, as I mentioned before, this is the hardest course we've had so far in California. And uh, what's new this year is that there's potential that every GC gets shaken up uh, at every stage. Awesome. So now that we know, you know, there are ways we are going to be able to follow it, now that we know you're there, how are people going to be able to try and track you down and follow what you're, what you're producing? Yeah, so I've been uh, live tweeting the races uh, and, you know, doing videos uh, before and after the race. Uh, so the UCI Twitter feed is UCI underscore WWT, that's Women's World Tour. Uh, we're doing live tweeting from start to finish. Uh, videos are uh, going up at the end of every stage. A highlight package will be available at the UCI YouTube. Um, there's Instagram content happening. And then I do believe that Emden um, Tour California is creating their own uh, highlight package at the end of every night as well. And then NBC will do a big, uh, I guess, recap of the whole race next week when, when everything's wrapped up. 
and they're sprinkling in a little bit of the women's race wherever they can. Tomorrow's going to be tricky because it's uh, in the mountains and there's very little reception. So we're now currently actually we're kind of playing with all these different GPS beacons, <laughs> trying to see if we can send out. Usually it says like I'm okay or whatever message you program it with. So we're going to reprogram it for every update. Oh wow! Uh, so stay tuned to see if we can get you some footage. But we're working real hard to make sure that you can follow it live, um, even if it means without you know video footage. There's still tweets to follow and uh, content coming out of this very exciting race. Well, it sounds like a struggle, but thank you for making the struggle. Oh, it's my pleasure. Awesome. Well, and also thank you for your time. I know that you we you've got. You've got an event to cover, so um, I don't. I as we talked at the outset, I don't want to keep you too long. You got everything to handle at your end, so I appreciate your time and coming on and talking with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And there you go. What a deal, huh? Two episodes for the price of one. Wow, wow, wow. Big thanks to Carson Hagen, who was not only in studio, but the guy who helped us set up both of those calls to get all that great information on the Cascade Cycling Classic and everything happened with the Engine Tour California for the women and all the things that are happening within that. And I also want to, you know, call out the fact that, yes, I was I was caught on two issues within this very episode. Number one, she's not working for Vela News. I read that somewhere. Yeah, you're right. She caught me there. And number two, at what point did I think that the Tour of California was five stages? I knew it was seven stages, but still I said it was five. See, so don't text me. Don't email me. Don't send me all the things calling me out on my lack of information. I realize it. I just got caught up in the moment and maybe had one or two beautiful Belgian triple ales. They were delicious. I regret nothing. You guys, that's another episode in the can, and I don't have to uh, lean close into my laptop to talk like this anymore. Studio is on its way. Bike Town is on its way. I know, I know, empty promises, but they're not. This time I mean it. Uh, contact us any way you want uh, through any types of social media. Let us know what you think of the new style of the show, the consistency of the show, and uh, rate us on iTunes. Tell us what you think. We'll talk to you guys next time.